Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Watching the Boxes Fantasy Basketball Podcast, hosted by HashtagBasketball.com, who has the best tools online, or really anywhere, maybe even offline, but technically you have to be online since it is a website. Anyway, they are the best fantasy basketball tools to prepare you, not just for your draft in a head-to-head league or in a roto league, but they also got auction tools. They got weekly schedules that will adjust based on the lineup that you can import from your Yahoo League. They got trade analyzers. They got all sorts of really awesome stuff, plus Mark Roberts's projections where you can actually customize those projections if you disagree with Mark Roberts, which me and Tyler often do. So go check out hashtag basketball.com. Right now, I am your host, Mike Katrin, and joining me as always is my co-host, Tyler Watts. What's up, Tyler? Oh, Michael. How are you this fine day? Well, I'm, do- I'm doing all right. I had a long, a long weekend in the nation's capital uh, celebrating uh, the, the marriage of, of two fine people. And um, the was marriage, you? It, was, it was not me. Uh, but I did get married to a couple bottles of bourbon at some point, so it is. Been, oh. it, was, it was a rough. It was a rough and fun, exciting weekend. What have you been up to, Tyler? Well, Michael, I watched a great basketball game this morning, and I was assuming one I saw that you watched because I would like to read you a tweet, and then I would like to challenge you on this. Oh, tweet. are you prepared okay. for this? I no, I'm. I'm not. I t- I often tweet out without thinking about it. Okay, so for those catching up, right, the Dallas Mavericks and the Philadelphia 76ers concluded their trip to China with the game this morning. It was actually a relatively enjoyable game for three quarters when the people who are going to play real basketball played. Um, we saw some some goodness and some badness, I think. Uh, both teams are a little bit sloppy. Joel Embiid looked like a monster. So I will read Mike's tweet verbatim. This is, this is at Watch the Boxes on Twitter where you can find me and all my really good tweets. Okay, so the the, the fir- there's kind of three parts to this tweet, two of which I'm going to agree with completely. Actually, there's four parts to it, one of which is not Great. mine, but I'll agree with it too. Um, so Embiid making a huge case to be taken before the turn. Now, I'm not sure what that means. Because before the turn, is that like that means number 10? Hit 12 and above. And okay. a standard 12-team so, And in a standard draft, that might be fair, right? We talked about that a lot, that the smaller your league, the better Joel Embiid is. Now, before the turn, I might challenge you on that a little bit, but that's semantics, right? A lot of those guys are real close in that area. I'd personally rather have guys like Damian Lillard, Paul George, but to each their own on that one, okay? I'm cool with that. Okay, okay. Beautiful Bob Covington is still underrated. Yeah, well, we both know we're going to agree on that. Beautiful Bob's now, underrated. Part number four, I'll read right now, and I have nothing to say about it. Been some interesting rotations out there. Yep, I th- I think that's the story of preseason basketball. If that's right. that's what we got. Now number three is where it gets interesting. Doncic is probably correctly rated. Triple J and Willie and Wendell Carter Jr. might be better than Doncic overall fantasy. 
Now that's the part I'm not going to back you on. Standing right by it. Because, and here's why, okay? So, how many rebounds a game is a guy like Jaron Jackson Jr. really going to get? In his in his career? No, I assume you meant this year. Aha, uh-huh. and that is probably where uh, I'm going to have to backtrack you just a little bit. If I'm taking one of these guys this season, it's, it's going to be Luka Doncic. If I'm in a dynasty now, league, see- if I'm in a keeper league, I think you look at those centers like Triple J and Wendell Carter Jr., and the fact that they can hit threes and get blocks makes them more valuable than someone like Doncic, who I feel is going to be very, very good, probably a top 50 player, but probably has a, a ceiling due to the fact he's not going to get those those counting stats and the steals and blocks uh, that will be as relevant as Triple J's or Wendell Carter Jr.'s. So here's the point I want to make. I think you're underselling the value of an assist. Okay. We look around the NBA and we talk about this all the time, right? Like a lot of point guards are only getting like five assists a game now. Okay. And and rebounds are are a little bit down to it. It has to do a lot with people playing less minutes, right? Like there's not too many guys running out there 35, 36, 37 minutes, barring the Tom Thibodeau squad. Okay, but if a guy like Jaron Jackson Jr., okay, even in 32 minutes, probably is only going to get you like seven, eight rebounds a game. Okay, if Doncic could get you six assists, I'd argue that six assists is more valuable than seven or eight rebounds. Also, I think the interesting thing and something that's being undersold about Doncic so far is he's basically at Points with the bench unit now. Granted, they don't have some of their their better big men, right? Harrison Barnes has been out. Um, DeAndre Jordan didn't make the trip to China. They've been kind of playing him as the stand in the paint and help defense around the rim. Like I think Doncic, especially if you can play him at a guard spot, is probably going to be pretty safe for like half a block a game. Okay, I mean, yeah, he's and, a big dude. He's he he's got reach. And he plays the passing lanes good with his good with his good IQ. So he's probably going to get you pretty close to a steal a game. Maybe even okay. a little bit more That's than that. Fair. And especially in yeah. his career, right? Like he's probably going to get a little better. Like I could see him being like 1.2 steals at some point in his career and like 0.7 blocks just because he's just smart and he's crafty. And they want, they're playing him mostly against the other team's power forward. Like if you watch the game, he guarded Dario Saric in the first game against Philly almost the entire time. And then today, Mike Muscala played and Dario Saric sat out, and he was guarding Mike Muscala almost the entire time. Now, obviously, there's switches on pick and rolls and things like that. So, I mean, it's not a full 100% of the time. But mostly when they get their option, right, the Mavericks are going to put him at power forward. So I think the thing we're missing on Doncic is the defensive stats are going to be better than everyone thinks, even if he's quote, not a good defender, right? That's what you always hear. Oh, he's not a good defender. He's not a good defender. I I think he's a, I think he's a very decent defender for uh, his size, his position. There was a lot of nonsense about uh, Ben Simmons being able to stay in front of him for one possession. I'm like, man, if that's your, like, if that's your, Oh my God, I'm falling out of my seat Philly moment where Ben Simmons who's bigger than Doncic stays in front of him for one possession on a, on a, and a very good defensive possession. Like I, I, I hope you 
watch more basketball so you can see some like way cooler stuff that happens during the games. Well, and and I've, I've been touting this about those two games to, to Mavericks fans too. There's not a much better defensive tandem to guard a wing player like Doncic than Robert Covington and Ben Simmons. Oh, yeah. That's just right? going like, to be really, those, really good. And, and that's what I've been saying to them is like you have two of the absolute best perimeter defenders in the NBA. That they that he's faced in the last two games, it's like the absolute best. Like Robert Covington was all first team defense last yeah, year. Absolutely, he's a, he's a fantastic defender. And so, I I mean, I guess my point is, this is happens to a lot of people, right? It's the theory of that thing looks shiny, right? And oh, it's only nineteen, blah blah blah. Like those other guys look good, right? And they look a lot more athletic, and they're huge, and they can do things that a lot of big men can't do. I guess my point would be, don't undersell the fact that Doncic is already really good and the same age. That is, that is certainly fair. Um, so yeah, I, I just I'm gonna have to go with. Long term, dynasty wise, I think I'm going to lean Triple J for sure over Doncic, just because I, I just think Triple J is going to be that good. But Tyler, you are 100 percent correct. You, uh, that Doncic you, is un, is going to be great this year. I'm also surprised you said that because I'm even more surprised you said that because I don't think Jaron Jackson Jr. is going to be a great field goal or free throw shooter. No, I, I just disagree. I think Jaron Jackson Jr. doesn't shoot above 80% on free throws at any point in his career, which, I mean, for a big man, I guess, like, relatively speaking, that's fairly good, right, if he's, like, around 75%. But I don't think he's a standout in that category, whereas I think Doncic can shoot, like, in the, like, 82 to 84% range too. So, like, when you start adding up categories, right, like, I don't really see other than obviously he's going to rebound more, but – Doncic is going to grab you like five, six rebounds a game. Oh, yeah. He's, he's just a big he's guy. Gonna Playing good all, that low. He's going to definitely be good all around for so sure. For, for those two guys to be better than Doncic, here's what you have to hope for, I think, Michael. You have to hope for they both hit like two three-pointers a game, which I don't know. Maybe. I think and you uh, have to Triple hope J that they both on track. And you have to hope that they both block like two shots a game. Okay. Certainly could happen. Because neither one of them is going to be a great assist big man. I don't no. think. I, I think I, Wendell Carter Jr., uh, a little frisky, I think, uh, with the with the passing. Jaron Jackson, I, I don't know. But like two assists a game, maybe two and a half. Like I don't see him at like the Marcus Gasol no. like four and a half, five level. You know He's what I mean? He's not going to be so, vintage like, Joakim Noah now. So that's that alone right there is a huge Luka Doncic advantage. Well, I think we're going to have to agree to disagree, Tyler, but it has been a pretty exciting preseason, uh, and we're going to do uh, some more. We're going to make some adjustments. Uh, as uh, That's what everybody should be treating the preseason as, is it kind of an adjustment period to get your bearings, see what's going on, look at the rotations, see how guys are performing. I don't take preseason – too seriously, probably a tweak here or there in my rankings and my overall standings. Maybe I want to target a guy a little bit more than I thought earlier. Uh, and we're gonna we're probably gonna get into that in a in a future episode. Today, we are continuing our Who Do I Draft series. Very popular, uh, hot on the streets, hot on the internet. 
and we will be drafting the one, the only Carl Anthony Towns, Cat Daddy, with our number four overall pick. And just to remind everybody um, what we do with Who Do I Draft is that we take the top players, the guys in the first round, and we do a uh, 12-team snake draft based on uh, nine cat head-to-head. And we go out to Yahoo, look at the ADPs, see who's available in the second, third, fourth round for where the first round guys are going and try to build a team out of that. Now we're focused on head-to-head, so we will talk about Roto, we will talk about auction uh, drafts just a little bit, but we're mostly focused on snake head-to-head. And, you know, Cat Daddy is going to be our first pick, Tyler. Pretty exciting. Uh, It's always exciting, right? And he's another one of these guys who's just a fantastic across-the-board contributor, right? Amazing rebounds, great field goal percentage, some pretty damn elite points, right? Um, good free throws, and then still good in assists, steals, and three-pointers, right? Not not elite, but still good. Um, just a great guy to own in the first round. And a guy that, you know, at four, he's really hard to pass up. I mean, even at three, he's difficult. Um, people picking Giannis over him, I, I'm, I'm more on the Carl Anthony Towns bandwagon, but maybe that's a different story for a different time. Yeah, Carl Dijon, especially like if you're looking at a Roto League, uh, ultra-efficient, one of the best offensive players just in the league, period. Uh, defense, eh, a little questionable, but Carl Dijon as a center, uh, incredibly versatile, and is going to be getting hopefully a little bit of bump in a workload with Jimmy Butler leaving the Minnesota Timberwolves. That I think that does boost his value just a tad um, at – Earlier, I guess, before the Jimmy Butler ordeal, um, Cat I was looking at pretty solidly in the middle of this round. And now, you know, seeing him at four is actually, uh, I think you just can't let him go past four at that point. Yeah, I mean, with the Thibodeau thing too, right? You just feel really good about him being one of the top five guys in minutes per game, right? Yep. So, play I a lot. mean... And we talk about that, right? Maybe that's sometimes the most important stat is, right? If we're talking about all against these other elite guys and he's going to get two or three extra minutes and even those guys, I mean, that's a boost to his value. And then we talked about just the great across the board stat line. It's very hard to pass up. Yeah. If he's sitting there at four in our uh, listener league, I am not letting him get past four. And there is actually still room in our listener leagues out there. So if you're interested in that, go check out patreon.com slash watching the boxes we got exclusive content out there uh tyler just put his sleepers up there i got my roto uh, ranked tiers up there now i want to give a big shout out to our new patreon uh, lewis respect to you lewis you didn't leave a last name so i'm not going to uh, blast that out over the uh, the podcast airwaves but you are going to be in one of our listener leagues there is still a few more spots out there so listeners if you are interested in joining one of those leagues check out patreon.com Slash watching the boxes. So, Tyler, we are coming around in our 12-team snake draft. We got Cat Daddy with our fourth pick, and we are picking at 21. So we already got our center. Centers are hard to come by. Kind of nice to get a center in the first round, getting one of those guys. At 21, we are looking at an interesting crop of dudes. Donovan Mitchell, Bradley Beal, Drew Holiday. John Wall, Jimmy Butler, one of your favorites. Uh, Devin Booker's out there, high-scoring Devin Booker. 
uh, you got your Drummonds and Rudy Gobert's, your Clay Thompson's and Chris Middleton's. You're missing out on kind of those elite secondary players of Paul George, Ben Simmons, Joel Embiid, but you're still getting a taste of some of that uh, that, that second tier, early third tier talent. So an ultra efficient guy like Cap, whose three pointers are you know okay, which is cr- crazy to say your sinners. Three pointers are only okay at one point five. That's actually really, really good. Your assists are meh. Your steals are meh. So you still could really go any direction in this case. And uh, what, what are you feeling here with starting with uh, Cat Daddy with your first pick? So, I mean, I'm, I'm still looking kind of best player available in this spot. I just think at this point it's hard to pass up. You know, some of these really good names, right? The the Jimmy Butlers and the John Walls. Um, John Wall and maybe to an extent Devin Booker, right? Like they're both they're both going to hurt your field goal percentage, but they're also pretty big scorers, you know what I mean? Uh, Devin Booker has a shot to take a leap and assist, and, and John Wall's already an elite assist guy, so you could build that category kind of right back up there if you take one of those guys. Um for me, the, the guy that you can't really look past is Jimmy Butler. I just think he has such a good across-the-board stat line at this pick if he's still available. I mean, how do you say no, especially when you already have another really good across-the-board guy? To You know what I mean? Like, put those two together as your center and your small forward, and you are building a really good team that can go in almost any direction from that point forward. Yeah, uh, Cat Daddy here – Really good score. You got your rebounds way up there. Uh, Jimmy Butler, like you're saying, compliments him because he compliments him in everything. So you're not sitting elite in too much here. Your points are great, obviously. Your steals are very, uh, very good. But you're you're not kind of going in. It, you're you're keeping yourself open for that third fourth round. And we've seen this as we we continue to do this series. You're finding these point guards in the third, fourth round, you're even finding point guards in the fifth and sixth round. There's, there's a lot of good point guards out there. It's the centers and the wings that are getting harder and harder to come by as the draft goes on. So kind of locking up a, uh, an, a pretty much an elite wing. And then we talk about this, you know, we're not really too worried about Jimmy Butler. It's playing time wherever he goes. He's going to be the an integral part of that offense. If he ends up in Miami or wherever he ends up. I could see trying to um, go the John Wall route and get all those assists back. I could see going the the Booker route and trying to get those threes back. But I'd say if you if you go Jimmy Butler, you're st- still looking at a little bit of a uh, a doubt. Your, your percentages are good, so you're still focused on that. But you're still looking at a downside on your three pointers. Your assists are still a little uh, low. Your blocks are fine. But you get a pick at pick twenty eight, like you get a pick right away. Well, and he, so so here's the way I look at this from from this point on. If you pick Jimmy Butler, you're elite in steals in the sense that you're getting one from your center, which there's a few centers, right? That other guys are going to be starting that don't even get one. Yeah, some of those going to get zero, right? And you got Jimmy Butler, who's going to get you pretty damn near two. So you're pretty elite in that category for the two positions you have. Right? You kind of got to look yeah. at it like, what positions do I have, right? You can't be like, oh, I have no assists. I have a center. Yeah, well, yeah, you have a center. You don't have any assists. I'm not, that's why we always say, don't just punt assists because you drafted a center in the first round. 
your center is not going to be good at assists for the most part. Right. And you're a very elite at free throw percentage at this point, right? You oh, got yeah. two, two positive guys at positive. two positions where they're not always positive guys, right? Like there's lots of centers we could have picked Andre Drummond or Dwight Howard and been right in that punt territory where we got a center who's a real good free throw shooter. And then obviously we got a, a buttload of points. So I'm feeling pretty strong about both of those categories are all three of those categories as are kind of elite. And then we can pivot in a lot of different directions. I would say our rebounds are still pretty elite, right? I mean, Jimmy yeah. Butler's five and a half for a small four. It's pretty good. Our rebounds are good. And I would actually, like you said, the three pointers made are perfectly fine at this point because your center's getting uh, a, a one and a half. So it's basically like you're getting three, well, three, three pointers from your wing and none from your center. Right. And so, you know, we're we're kind of right back up here again at that next pick, and well, pick 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 twenty eight. So you know, maybe old uh, Rudy Gobert goes off the board, Devin Booker goes off the board, your John Wall goes off the board. You're kind of your main your main guys go off the board, but you still got a K Love, Clay Thompson still out there, and our one of our favorites, Chris Middleton, is still sitting out there. Lamarcus Aldridge is a good percentage big. It would be out there as well. Uh, Marcus Sowell, Clint Capella. Who you who you like in this position? I guess Eric Bledsoe's down there. We we like to uh, look at Eric Bledsoe in this position, but uh, you know, I feel like like I'm kind of like liking Clay Thompson a little bit. If you if you're worried about your threes, and he's a very efficient player as well. But uh, who you, who are you leaning towards, Tyler? At twenty. So I mean, obviously Clay Thompson is available here. Now that might be a little bit high for Clay Thompson because he doesn't provide you a ton of ancillary stats. Um, I think everyone knows I'm a big Clay Thompson fan, and I think he's one of the, the more underrated players in the NBA. Right? Like, very I think efficient, he's, and he's, he's easily good scorer. Imagine him on another team, though, man. He oh, could be man. like I think he's easily a top twenty player in the NBA. Um, so I personally, I'm probably going to go Middleton here, right? If I'm picking. I just feel like Middleton gives you some more steals. He gives you another wing guy, another shooting guard, small forward type that you can put in there. He's going to give you good assists at that position. He's going to give you pretty decent rebounds. He's going to give you 20 points. He's going to shoot you two three-pointers. So I don't feel like I'm still – I don't feel like I'm that bad in that category. You know what I mean? Like I get two more three-pointers there. I'm going to get another guy who's pretty elite in free throw percentage. So I'm feeling really good about that category. Um, and I think that I know that there's point guards going to be available. There's going to be some other guys I can snag that I, I like a little bit later yeah. on. Well, your um, steals are way up at this point. If you, if you go Middleton, your free throws will be way up. If you go Middleton, I'd say your blocks assists are still, uh, you know, they're not punting, but they're also not very great, but your, your rebounds like are, are good. And your three pointers are probably back up to, or definitely, I actually said they are definitely back up, uh, even though you don't have one of those super elite Kevin Love types or uh, Clay Thompsons. You do have uh, enough across the board to compete with someone who had went, uh, let's say Clay Thompson, but they also got Andre Drummond, right? Or Gobert, you know what I mean? Like some of those yeah. guys with zero here, right? I, I got one and a half, one and a half, and two. Whereas, you know what I mean? Like if they've got a guy with three, but they got a guy with zero, and then they got a guy with two, we're at the same spot. Yeah, you're right there. So you're in the mix when it comes to three-pointers. But right. I, would, and, I would say it's, it's your assists and blocks that are probably your your lowest um, K 
categories at this point. And so at this point, I'm probably going to switch a little bit more to punting, probably field goal percentage and blocks, and I'm probably going to try to boost those assists and three-pointers a little bit. I feel like I'm already really good in the steals points, right? So I'm still going to be after those. But if I go for like a lot of point guard types now or guys who are good free throw shooters, I feel like I'm going to be one of the elite guys in that category. I got a shot to boost up my threes and assists to be really good in those points. And then obviously I think I'm going to be fine in rebounds because I got 10 from Jimmy Butler and Chris Middleton combined. And Plus. I got 12 from Carl Anthony Towns, right? So yeah, I feel like I'm I'm pretty strong there. Even if I go for a bunch of guards, like I'm not going to be absolutely last in that category. I'm going to be still be in the middle of the pack somewhere. Yeah, I'd say you're still pretty solid. You could really go in a lot of different directions here. And in round four at pick 45, uh, we're going to be going pick 45 and then pick 52 in rounds four and five. Uh, quite a few of those third-tier guys off the board – your ultra-efficient Marcus Aldridge's, your uh, Eric Bledsoe, your high-upside guys like Miles Turner and Aaron Gordon, all off the board. But, um, you know, Al Horford is still available, Gary Harris, Mike Connolly, um, possibly uh, an underrated, if when healthy, definitely underrated at pick. Uh, his ADP is basically pick 50. So I think that's pretty low for Mike Connolly. Gordon Hayward is available down here as well. Robert Covington. Lou Williams, Vujovic, your boy Ricky Rubio is sneaking around down there. What direction should we go here, Tyler? Yeah, so we got a lot of options, right? Um, we we could go with an, an old tried-and-true favorite and, and a guy like Gary Harris to boost up um, kind of those three-pointers. And he's another guy, right, that maybe we start caring about both percentages if we pick him because yeah. obviously he's another guy who's a real good field goal shooter, um, I feel like we're pretty solid on the wings, though. Um, so I might pivot away from that just a little bit. Um, so if Al Horford has power forward eligibility, which we found out he doesn't in ESPN, which I'd like to say this. Okay? He started about 60 games last year next to Aaron Baines, but somehow ESPN gave them both only center eligibility. So apparently the Boston Celtics are the only team in the league that can start two centers and no power forward. Yeah, I'd like, I'd like to make a PSA right now to all of our listeners. Even if you don't play on ESPN, do me a favor. Go to their feedback. Go to their support site. And just every single day say, make these players have better positions. Just find a, uh, one player and go, Al Horford should have a forward eligibility. And send it every day until – after the season starts, just uh, do that for me. I'd really, really appreciate it. I mean, to to me, right. I was just confused by it in my draft because at the end it said, I have no power forward and and you were in this draft, Mike. And I was like, didn't I draft? I drafted Luka Doncic who's a power forward. I drafted Al Horford. Like I drafted so many guys who I thought were power forwards. Good luck getting those, uh, good luck getting Doncic as a power forward. You know what I mean? And I mean, I guess it's it's a lot of the nebulous of what position does anyone play anymore. Like, I get it, but um, I don't understand how Al Horford is not a power forward when he plays, starts next to Aaron Baines. Just, just I don't understand. Um, that's a different story for a different time, I guess. So, that's uh, back to where we were. Um, so, you mentioned Mike Conley. Now, that's who I'm looking at here since he's kind of one of those last 
could be semi-elite point guards. And we've seen him, right, be the top 30 player pretty consistently. Uh, He fits the build if we're going to punt field goals, right, because he's not a good field goal shooter. But he's pretty darn good at a lot of other stuff, right? I don't think Uh, his field goal volume with the guys we already have, I don't think his field goal volume kills you enough to punt it. You're just maybe just not caring too much about it as much as you were. But that boosts – your uh, assists back up. You're getting your threes boosted up into a, uh, you know, kind of a top tier uh, level. And you're still just like beating everybody at points. Your top five or four guys, possibly even five guys could all be hitting 17 points or greater. Right. So that's obviously pretty enticing. Um, That becomes a, a bit of a risk reward pick, right? Because we've seen Conley play 13 games last year. Um, so you got to have some risk tolerance because obviously he's a year older now and they gave him the fat contract. So it's not like he's got to push through an injury to prove he's worth a lot of money. Um, but that's a, it's an option and a, and a good one. Um, another guy you could go for would be Gordon Hayward in this range guy. We talk about a lot. Um, I actually kind of am a fan of Mike Conley here though. Yeah. I think if you want to, if you don't want to completely ignore your assists, which right now I think we have like, two good assist wings where you're not completely punting that category. Now, if you want to just completely punt that category, go right ahead here and go without Horford or even um, maybe even look at. Well, I think the assists are what makes Al Horford more enticing, right? Like Al Horford got 4.7 assists a game last year. So if you really want to, and, and that's why I said, if he's forward eligibility, if he has it, right? So if this is not an ESPN league and the league makes sense and he has forward eligibility, I would love to pick Al Horford here. But if he doesn't have forward eligibility, I'm going to have to pick another power forward now because I already have a center. And most leagues, right, it's the five starting spots and then guard, forward, and then three utilities. So he becomes a utility guy. Whereas in this particular build, I don't really want a big guy as my utility guy. I want an, another guard because that's what his stats I'm really trying to get good at. Um, so it would a lot depend on his eligibility for me to pick him. I'm a big proponent. I would take Al Horford over Mike Conley. Well, you know seven, what? Seven days a week. If you can tell me he's got forward eligibility, but he's got to have that power forward eligibility. I'm gonna, you know what? I, I have the, I'm pulling the strings at ESPN. Horford is going to have forward eligibility. And, and he's um, got it on Yahoo and Fantrax, right? So if you play on those yeah. leagues, like that's that, there's a distinction there that it's worth talking about. So we're going to take Horford at pick, you know, because I just thought we haven't taken Horford or Conley in any of our other ones. So, like, I just kind of think it's interesting where we can and, grab one of these guys. And, and you like Horford, and you're kind of selling me on him because of the uh, the assist from a big. You're not going to get that later in the draft, and I think you can still find the Connolly stats later in the draft. And Horford is is a decent free throw shooter at, like, 78% on very low volume, Right. So even though even if he has a down year where he drops to like 72, 73%, it's like 1.7 attempts a game. So that really ain't hurting us at all, especially with the free throw shooters we already have. Yeah, and his his usage is probably going to go a little down this year with a, that Celtics team being uh, healthy, but that could uh, actually in turn boost his assists a little bit when he's getting the guys the ball. Uh, maybe he scores a little Here's less. Here's the other thing, too. He could get more rebounds this year, right? Because – He's going to be primarily the starting center with them starting Tatum, Hayward, Irving. 
You know what I mean? Like he's going to play center this year, whereas he started, yeah. I mean, I, I mentioned he started next to Baines most of the games last year. So that could up his rebound numbers a little bit too. So I think he's definitely undersold, right? I've done three actual drafts so far and I've gotten Horford in every league past the top 50, basically. Um, the none of them, they were all auction drafts, but he went below a top 50 player, like below the value of the top 50 player was going in all three drafts. I think people are overlooking him because, oh, he's old and he may be the fourth or fifth option on that Celtic starting lineup. Like, Al Horford is just good, man. I agree. And that gives you a block of game. It's, um, we're still really not, I mean, like, we're still really not punting traditionally punting anything at this point. And we got a really solid big man, even though our points took a little bit of a hit. With Horford there, um, I would probably start leaning towards perhaps ignoring assists. Uh, I think our blocks are fine, and our three pointers are still fine. We got two bigs who shoot a hit over a, a three a game. Um, I think maybe at pick fifty two, I would start looking for somebody who hits threes. Maybe you're Larry Marketing. I know he's been injured, but uh, we don't have to get into that, so maybe we'll ignore him. But uh, your Nico Miritiches at pick fifty two, your Robert Covingtons out there. At pick 52, though, that would hurt our field goal percentage pretty hard. I know your boys Jeff Teague and Ricky Rubio are hanging around out there if you didn't want to ignore uh, assists. So pick 52, who who are you liking here? Well, I mean, I think it's all the same cast of characters we talk about a lot. Exactly? We like this middle round. It's very, there's a lot of good guys out here. Right, and, and there's just a lot of good names to pick. Um, so... I, I don't think we need to punish this, and that's probably not the direction I would go in just because I feel like in this general range, you can make up a lot of assists real fast, right? We talk about it. There's Chris Dunn, there's Ricky Rubio, there's Jeff Teague. There's just a lot of point guards and a lot of guys who I think are probably top 50 players that are going outside the top 50. So um, that makes that interesting. And then you also, this general range, you have kind of two groupings. You To me, anyways, you've got the grouping of the overrated big men, in my opinion now, right? The Jared Allens, the John Collins, the sleeper big men. Yeah, who are going at their, literally, their max value. Right. And then you have the point guards, okay? And then you have this group of kind of wing players, like Torian Prince, Josh Richardson, Lou Williams, maybe, if you want to consider him kind of, he's not real. Robert Covington. You know what I mean? Like, you have those kind of names. So... It, it all really depends on which way you want to go. And then you have kind of a couple outliers in there, and like DeAndre Ayton and Nikola Vucevic, um, who are two guys I think that are pretty fairly valued. I think we've seen that DeAndre Ayton, it looks like he's just going to be good. Right? He's like, pretty good. He's it's and, pretty good. You're going to probably take him at his max peak, but maybe that's worth it. Well, and here's the other thing too, right? Like just because the Suns aren't good or he may not be great for real life basketball like I don't know how great of a defender he's going to be right like he might not win the Suns a lot of games but I think he's going to get stats so yeah and defense intensity uh is not one of the stats we we track here so it's it's, it's who gives a crap if the Suns lose game uh, DeAndre as long as they're feeding uh DeAndre the ball uh I, I'm I'm intrigued now as I think when we started these uh kind of like looking at the rookies we weren't really sure what his role would be. We thought we, he would play a lot. We thought he was probably a top 75 player, but it looks like if he's going to play this much and he's going to be that important in the offense, you know, top 50 may, might not be out of the question. Right. And he's not a great fit for this build, obviously, because he's going to be 
our relative punt free throw guy, right? Like I think he's going to probably shoot around 68 to 70 percent, maybe as high as like 72. Which yep. and it and it's going to probably be on relatively big volume because he's a big man who they're going to foul, especially if he's not shooting well on any given night. Um, so obviously he's not really great for this build. So for me, in this general area, I'm kind of looking. We I think we need a little bit more points. Right, if we go Horford, we need someone who's going to score. Yeah, we like, need to get back up in those points. So I so, think Rubio might be out. And I think the guys like Covington and those guys, like I just don't think they're Covington's gonna... probably out. Uh, we got we got Middleton, we got Butler. We don't need a Covington. That's what I mean. And I don't think those guys are gonna score enough. Um, so I'm looking for 15 points a game at least. Okay. Um, so a real enticing guy at this point becomes Lou Williams. You gotta feel like he's gonna score. He's gonna shoot good free throws. He's gonna hit two or three three pointers. He's gonna be okay in assists, like not great. Yeah, we're not at this point. We're pretty much ignoring assists. I think if we if we go Lou Williams, but we're still probably going to compete with all the. We're probably going to beat every single person who tried to punt assists, which probably is like at least three to four people in the league. You're going to beat them every time. Well, and two, we're going to beat some of the middling teams who went two or three point guards and two or three big men, and then got wings who get you like one assist a game. You know what I mean? Like we're going to beat the teams with the Hassan Whiteside and the Jonas Valanciunas who are getting you like absolutely zero assists. And then they have wing players who are getting them like Evan Fournier who's getting them like two, two and a half, right? Like we're better than those teams still because we've got a couple guys getting five and a couple guys getting two and a half. And I think a lot of people playing head to head, they, they, they do forget that like every week matters and every team isn't built the same. Because you, you do see people who are just like, I'm going to beat everybody in four categories, and then I'll probably win five and six. And it's like, well, I hope so. But if someone else wanted to do the exact same thing, maybe you're second best in rebounds, maybe you're third best in rebounds, and you're right. always last in in, in free throw and in, in assists. And it's like, well, you're always always losing a category. Uh, is much much easier to do than always winning a category, right? And so, so then the pivot, right? So we talk about there's always pivot points in a draft. The pivot would be if you knew you could get done with your next pick, you go Teague and done, right? Something we've done a lot. And then you're kind of right back, somewhat near the top in assists, I think. Right, you're in the top. If it's a twelve team league, you're probably in the top four. You're probably top in the five. top. You're probably in the top half. I, I would say. Uh, something I would be semi-interested in, because our next two picks is, are at 69 and 76. Uh, I might go Nico Miritich here and just bu- uh, bump my threes uh, up to uh, something that's competing. My points are now super uh, great. My rebounds are now super great, too. So I'm, I, I got those. So I'm kind of getting uh, three really good stats from him. Plus, um, your your free throws will be also still very, very good. Um, kind of gives you an extra, an extra big man to throw in there. So I look at, I look his way. Well, and we still need a forward, right? I mean, like yeah. most most leagues, right? We're still needing a forward, someone to fill in that forward spot, unless we're going to play Butler and um, Chris Middleton both as forwards. Which, I mean, one of them's got to be a shooting guard, right? We got to have a shooting guard at some point. Um, yeah, I, I'm good with Meritich. I like Meritich. I think Meritich is a little bit underrated, like always, and um, I think that's that's a perfectly fine pick too. Yeah, the, I mean, these cast of characters here that we – and, you know, Giannis, I think, with our, our Drummond build was the exception to the rule. 
Um, and in, in Steph Curry, we had a lot of uh, small guys early. So if you go back and listen to those, we did go in a little bit of a different direction in these in these last rounds than usual. But I think we're always kind of looking at Nico, Chris Dunn, uh, Jeff Teague. Uh, even we've we've looked at Edith Cantor a few times. Um, those kind of just seem to they just those guys kind of stand out because they do something elite. So I think if we go Nico Dunn here, that would be perfectly fine. Uh, Nico Doncic, if I don't think you're going to get Doncic at 76, but you know maybe if you're in a Yahoo league, you will because that's what it's it's going to it's saying here that he's going to pick uh, 82. So that's that's uh, way too low. And. Doncic in the right build has point guard only eligibility on Yahoo. That's so true. if you're building more of a big man type build, which we're not super today, but if you were, Doncic could get real interesting in that type of build because he's he's a point guard that you can fit in that's gonna get you some good rebounds and gonna get you some blocks and some things we talked about earlier that some other point guards just aren't going to do. Yeah, and I think that's actually kind of why I like him if you can get him at 76, which I don't think you're going to be able to, because we have Butler and Middleton and Horford. We all Those are all good rebounding uh, forward centers, plus Cats elite rebounds, and then you throw Nico in there as well. Uh, that's a ton of rebounds to, to throw so, at some so teams, our, and everybody's shooting threes there too. Our next pick is what number? 76. 76. Not, but, uh, no, I don't think so, man. I, I don't think you're going to get Dodge at 76, but I would like him in this build. I think Chris Dunn is probably acceptable here if you think you can get him. Uh, but let's let, maybe let's just go one a different person. Uh, what about D'Angelo Russell here as your point guard? Probably hurts your field goal, but maybe not enough. Maybe we got enough field goal um, where we can absorb a, a D'Angelo Russell. You get those points and assists that you might need from a point guard, plus some rebounds. Yeah, I mean, man, Russell's just a tough guy for me to peg because I think we've seen him be hurt and be hurt and be hurt and be hurt. Um, this is a range where I'm not. I don't love him. I don't hate him. Um, obviously, at like 88 where he's going, right? He's an average pick of 88. Like, I'm, I'm fine with that. But give me Chris Dunn. Give me Luka Doncic in this general range. Give me some other guys, right? Like, if I want threes, give me J.J. Redick. And he's going to score. Um, yeah, for them, by the way, everybody's way down on J.J. this year, and he's going to be just as good as he always is. So, did you watch the first game when they played the – the yes. play the Sixers. Did did you find it hilarious when they were like, "Oh, the crowd's going crazy for Reddick. Every time he touches the ball, they're loving his shooting." Did you hear this? Because I was dying laughing. Yeah, I d- just didn't understand it. Well, you don't know the story, right? Do you know the story? The no, story, I don't. No, I don't know the story. JJ Reddick has a podcast himself, and yes. on the store on the, his podcast, he said a racially insensitive term towards. Uh, Asian people, oh, and no. so they were booing him every time he touched the ball. And the announcers just kept going over how they were cheering him and they were loving his shooting. And oh, they're going crazy for him. <laughs> I did not know that. That's news to me. Yeah, so you can look up that JJ Reddick story about the the thing that he said and and why they booed him. They, it was kind of 
somewhat widely reported um, this week with the game. But yeah, and so like the announcers just kept hitting this. And they just kept going over it and over it and over it. And it's like, dude, you guys have no clue what you're talking about. No, it's it's one of those things where you're going to continue to see the disconnect between those old heads, the old announcers, the guys who work on TV, and basically NBA Twitter. NBA Twitter is the NBA now. You really you don't even need these announcers. I mean, hell, uh, Nate Duncan, he's got he does a Twitter live show for these games. So like, there isn't a huge need uh, to have these just kind of like boring, in the middle, out of touch color guys. Uh, and you're also starting to see a lot of those guys fade away for new talent. But uh, we will uh, we'll see where the future. Of the NBA, I think you know. T- I think Twitter and NBA have been uh, working a lot together. I've already seen some uh, interesting ads that they they had put together. You can get alerts about the games. So I think NBA has been most the most forward thinking sport by far, just out of any of any of the sports. I'm with you there. So I will mention a guy that I am pretty interested in this pick in the okay. non Chris Dunn division. And it's a guy I think he's just getting a little bit undersold this year. And I think people are making a lot more of the injury he had. They're not making enough of the injury he had last year. And that's Nick Batum. Batum, if you remember, missed some games there, right, with an elbow injury, I believe. And when he came back, he ramped up kind of slow. And he just never super got his shooting down. Um, We saw two years in a row in Charlotte where he averaged 15 points a game. And obviously some other factors, including a new teammate who's now gone, affected that last year. Um, but but think about adding Batum to this build, right? A guy who'd get you like five, five and a half, six assists. He's going to be relatively around half a block, going to give you a steal, going to give you like, I think, probably 14 or 15 points a game. Going to be good in free throws, which we care about. Sure, he's not a good field goal guy, but like give me Nick Batum over D'Angelo Russell any day. I feel like Batum's going to play 70 games at least. I don't know about D'Angelo Russell. And sure, he's know, not- Nick Batum's uh, time on the court has been hit or miss as well. He has played over 70 games in mm. every season except for last year of the last okay, set okay, seasons. Okay. So he's played, I'll read the numbers if you want, 73, no, 82, 71, 70, 77, and last year was 64. But if you remember last year, he had that one elbow injury, missed like, I forget, four weeks. It might have even been like six or eight weeks because I think it happened during the preseason. Um, and then he was healthy pretty much the whole time once he came back. Um, I think he gets a, a knock for not being that healthy. Yeah, those guys who uh, get it, those guys who are injured and they come back, people forget about them. Always happens. Every single year. This is a pretty good build. It's actually really solid across the board. You're probably going to win some of those uh, categories that uh, a majority of the people are punting while still competing um, in the in the categories that we were really hitting on, which are points, our rebounds, our three-pointers are really good. Our free throw percentage is really good. We went, uh, after going uh, taking Cat with our fourth pick, we went Butler-Middleton in the second and third rounds. So we have basically the best across-the-board wings in the game. And then we want Horford, a really good, efficient center who uh, doesn't really hurt you too much on, on on free throws from that position while getting you assists. And uh, we went back with some scoring with Lou Williams, a, a guy we don't often pick in these situations. But um, felt right in round five, going to get that scoring back. And we're not really looking too hard at the um, – Assists at that point, but we do got some really good threes. And since we were looking for some more threes, we want to be kind of elite in that. We went Nico Miritich, uh, obviously one of my favorite guys 
on the court, uh, good three-pointers, good rebounding. So bumping our rebounding back up. And then with the, our last pick at the 76th pick in the seventh round, we kind of decided to, you can go in a lot of different ways here. JJ for threes, Batum for across the board, guys. Done if you want to get those steals and bump your assists back up. A um, lot of choices there at pick seven. All, all in all, uh, another another really good build uh, that fits the the mold that we consistently preach here, which is be elite in at least three or four categories, but try to compete in most categories. Not all the categories. You can ignore one or two, but punting hard and then punting hard like more than two categories really puts could put you in a hole. Yeah, and some guys will say, oh, well, I'm going to beat you in, in five categories or, or whatever. But punting hard and still winning all five of those categories gets to be difficult. And it gets to be even more difficult when one of your big guys gets injured. Whereas if you have kind of an across-the-board team and one of your big guns gets injured, right? let's say it's Towns or Butler, like two of the guys we picked today, maybe there's somebody on the waiver wire who steps up and is giving you production in a category that you were punting before, but he's the best player on the waiver wire. Well, he's not really helping you if you're in one of those hard punt builds, but if you're in a build like we like to build, then he's kind of evening out your stat line with the absence of Jimmy Butler, as opposed to not really helping you at all. And then you're picking an inferior player off the waiver wire because he's the only one who fits your build. Yeah, that's completely true. You can actually stream in order to catch up in some of the uh, categories that you're just okay in. And also, if three or four dudes are all punting in the same direction you are, you're not going to be elite in rebounds if everybody's trying to be elite in rebounds. It's just not going to happen. Everybody can't be the number one guy in rebounds. So So the the worst pre-draft strategy in the world to me is going in there saying, I am going to punt. X, Y, and Z categories, or even just X and Y categories. Like, I think that's just a huge mistake because what if five other guys in the league, what if five of the other guys in the league say they're all punting assists too, and you're punting assists? So no one's going to pick a point guard ever? Yeah, you you need to make a run on those point guards in rounds. If Kyrie Irving is hanging around in the bottom of the fourth round, you're an idiot for not taking him. Yeah, even in the th- even in the third round, high third round, mid third round, like Kyrie Irving has potential to be one of the. I mean, like, it was not that long ago we saw Kyrie Irving getting picked at the turn, right? Like, if Kyrie Irving's available in the third round, I'm going to be pretty damn interested. So, uh, so will I. That was a good build, Tyler. We got a few more of these. Who do I drafts left? Uh, if you guys like the show. Please uh, rate, review us online, or leave us feedback. You can find me on Twitter at Watch the Boxes. You can find Tyler at Tyler P. Watts. That is W A T T S. Guys, we always take your questions. Uh, if you got feedback for the show, topics you wanted to hit on, uh, maybe you want us to talk about auctions more, dynasty drafts more, whatever it may be, hit us up. We'll provide it. We're doing this for you guys, all you listeners out there. And if you're looking for exclusive content, or you want to join one of those drafts for the listeners, go check out patreon.com slash watching the boxes. We appreciate you all out there. We'll catch you next time.